back! And we have two darkly spiritual episodes. Very spiritual <laughs> movies not today. Episodes, spiritual movies. Yeah. Uh, so, what led us to, 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 to choose these ones this time around? Do, you, do we ever talk about why we chose these? I don't think we have before. Um, well, in lack of like a, a better explanation of why, uh, originally, yesterday, um, was supposed to be the release date of The Conjuring 3. Which was subtitled, The Devil Made Me Do It. And, uh, obviously that didn't happen. Thank movies you, aren't, Movies aren't allowed to exist anymore. Uh, now every movie, <laughs> I think I told you earlier, really, now every movie is becoming The New Mutants. It's true. Everything getting put... pushed back. Everything but The New Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> So at what cost did the New Mutants really <laughs> come out? Oh, man. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, two very famous, um, I think, seminal uh, ghost or possession movies for at least like our parents' generation. I know my mom was terrified of these movies when they came out to the point where they were two of the three movies that she told me when I was a kid that had scared her the most. Well, my friend grew up, and he wanted to see this movie all the time, but his dad refused to let it in his house. That is how much this movie scared him. Dude, when we'll, we'll talk about um, we'll talk about the, the psychological implications of both these movies on a bonus episode, which we're going to have come up tomorrow. On Monday. On Monday. Okay. We're dropping it on Monday. The boss has declared it on Monday. <laughs> um... For, but I think before we start, I want to thank everyone for the positive feedback so yeah. far. I mean, everyone has kind of come out of the woodwork to tell us um, that they liked us. Yes. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's interesting because we felt like there'd be a little bit of a base, at least here at school. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of squares who don't normally <laughs> watch movies um, that we thought, like, yeah, this would be fun for them. Um, but, like, there's, like, people back home that are, like, talking to us, yeah. like, yo, like, saw the podcast, and we're like, oh, awesome! Like, cool. like, <laughs> like, people listen to us, and we're like, hey, look, we're gonna start a podcast. <laughs> um, so, really, thank you so much, everyone that listened, because, um, even if no one listened, we still would be doing this, but it's great that there's people that actually care enough to listen. Yeah. <laughs> um... Alright, so... Damn. So today we're going to start off <clears throat> with our with the 1982 release, Poltergeist. Yes, Poltergeist, directed by Toby Hooper. Who also directed the first two Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw movies. And Toby Hooper is a legendary horror figure, especially in the, the more cult side of it. One thing when we get to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we'll explain just, like, how wild his sets are. So, to go from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the 70s to a Steven Spielberg written and produced yeah. horror movie, like, it's, it's so strange. Like, the tone itself is so diverse. I mean, yeah. like, it, it feels like a complete... I mean, obviously it's a different movie, but it feels like it was made by completely different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Poltergeist, for those who don't know, uh, follows the Freeling family and their dog. And, of course, we have to talk about the dog. Quick aside, I found a website yesterday <laughs> that was the entire, uh, movie from his point of view. Because I was looking up the <laughs> name of the dog, because all dog actors have the best names. 
I mean, nothing beats Bonkers from Dark Phoenix. Of course. But um, the dog's name from Poltergeist was named E-Buzz, which is fantastic. And it's just a whole article about only the scenes that he is in. And it says up top, the dog lives. So the dog is okay. Yes. We'll link that website in the description of this episode. <laughs> okay, I gotta find it. Um, so it follows a Freeling family who are beset by ghosts in their suburban California home. Uh, it stars Craig T. Nelson of The Incredibles. Yes. Uh, Mr. Bob Parr. Bob Parr of both Incredibles and The Incredibles 2 is the dad. Yes. Yeah. He's gotta be the dad. Uh, Joe Beth Williams, uh, they both play the parents, Steve and Diane Freeling. Um, and uh, little Heather O'Rourke is Carol Ann, who's uh, kind of the focus of the movie. She's the focus of the haunting, mm-hmm. and oh, she's just cute as a she's, bitch. She's, the, she's cute as a button. She's adorable, and she kills it in this movie, especially for being so young. Um, another one of note is uh, 4'3 Zelda Rubenstein oh my as Kanjina, who is the... The, the high-pitched voice medium that the family consults about their problem. And, oh, she's awesome. <laughs> she's so great. Uh, so, this came out in 82. Um, it got Academy Award attention. So, this yes. was, I mean, nowadays it was very few and far between um, horror representation at the Academy Awards. I mean, recently we've got Parasite winning Best Picture. You've got, got Get Out. Get Out nominated. Um, but this got nominations for Best Sound Editing and Best Visual Effects and the Best Original Score, which is cool for a horror movie to get. So so Jerry Goldsmith's score, which we'll give a sample of in in a little bit. um, So when you think of a horror movie score, normally you think of something like... Creepy violins. Yeah, like Insidious or something like violins or something. Um, So do you want to play it? (laughs) Yeah. This, is, this is so we have a sample. This is what um, the theme for Poltergeist sounds like, and this was a, this was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Um, so go ahead. <laughs> it's it's spooky. It's a scary, scary <laughs> sound, right? Not really. It's very different. It's, it's, well, it's, it's cool <laughs> because it matches the movie very well, which I'll go into it in a bit. But it's. The movie works because it's it's a movie about a family. Like it's a very emotionally driven movie, where also ghosts are happening. Like there are moments where there's a lot of good synergy between the actors because it really feels like these are members of a family that really love each other, and then the next minute, like a portal opens in their living room. Like yeah. it, the the beats, like it can go from like emotional to frightening very quickly, and it works it, yes. it very much works to the point where you really care about these people mm-hmm. uh I, I guess it's not much of a spoiler but um so the family is beset by ghosts namely um a, a some kind of omnipotent force that abducts their daughter caroline and brings her to this like ghost dimension you know so she goes missing but the family can still hear her through the television so they kind of they're desperate. They want to get their daughter back. But, so you, you really are rooting for them harder than you would anyone else who was just like, oh, you know, my... My pal. My, you know, my, my buddy's gonna be, you know, he's like, or like my girlfriend's like seeing ghosts or something. It's like, no, this family could be your family. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's cool. I, I got a lot of E.T. vibes. Yeah. You know, because, like, the, the, the neighborhood, I probably was shot in the same area. Because it, it's like track. Reagan's America, 1980s. You know, everyone's kind of, like, you know, on the porch, like, hanging out. You know, they're watching the game on Sundays. and Well, yeah. they're setting up, like, a whole neighborhood of these similar houses. Yes, yes. The whole valley. I mean, everyone's yeah. kind of middle class. Everyone's kind of well off. And then it just flips. Like, ghosts ruin everything. And it's like, they really took a lot of lengths to, like, show that this could be anybody. Like, they were just trying to hang out. Mm -hmm. And ghosts happened. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, and, like, in order for Carol Ann to get taken away, the tree outside gets possessed and steals the sun into the yard. Well, and it was cool because normally when you have, like, a ghost or a haunting movie... Um, <clears throat> normally a lot of people do their research, which this movie did for some of it. Uh, that, you know, haunting activity kind of starts randomly, kind of starts kind of small. You've got, you know, you hear noises, things may move, um, but right up top, I mean, the, there's a scene where, uh, Diane goes into the kitchen with Caroline just sitting on the counter and it's like, oh man, all the kitchen chairs are, are pull, like pulled out. She pushes them all back in, literally turns her back, and they're all just like Jenga stacks. And just goes, we can use this. Yeah. It's like immediately her husband comes home and she's like, she's, all right. She's gung-ho. Watch this. And just puts her daughter like on a, like a pre-marked space in the kitchen. And is like, shut up, watch this. And then <laughs> she just slides across the kitchen. And what does Caroline do? Yawns. Like, I've seen this before. Mom, can we just have dinner? Like, I'm tired of playing with the ghosts. But it's cool because, you know, they're going to bed that night. The mom, like, goes, you know, like, she's like, oh, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's just some kind of cool new side of nature that we just don't know yet. And immediately the tree comes to life and tries to eat their son. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, you know, don't speak too soon, but, like, they... To talk about the um, the paranormal side of it, I don't know if you cover it, but the they call in paranormal investigators after Caroline goes missing, and you know they're, they're typical Ghostbusters as parapsychologists from like the local college. They come in with all their equipment and they're like probably not looking for much, but we're like, oh, we're gonna say that you know you got a wiring problem or something, mm-hmm. and then they're like, this is the upstairs room, and it's just like a vortex of light and yeah. flying things, and they're like. Yeah, we just don't go in there anymore. <laughs> People are like, oh. Uh, and the parents are not ready that's for it. It's terrifying. They didn't expect to actually see anything paranormal today. Yeah, and and even to like the effect of like, you know, like normal, I mean, we'll probably touch on it if we ever covered like The Conjuring 2 or any movie that's kind of based on a true story haunting wise. But Poltergeist hauntings especially, it's just like stuff just flies around randomly. Like, stuff will appear from nowhere. Like, they do a lot of this in the movie where they looked at poltergeist hauntings and went, okay, well, what happens? Like, there's stuff flying around, there's knocks, you know, things are moved, uh, people can be touched, and things just kind of, like, appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like, oh, it's a bunch of watches from God knows where. They just showed up in the living room. Um, so, it, it's kind of cool... Um, if you're into ghosts, um, but don't like the kind of sleazier, flashy, like, insidious movies or something like that, 
This is like the proto Insidious. Like yeah. it's it's almost essentially the exact same plot, but you care about the characters more, and they they're like eleventh hour thing isn't like, oh, it's a demon. Your demon wants your son. Like it's like they're just ghosts that are lost. Like they they need help. You know. Yeah. Figuring out that they're dead, which I mean. That's all you can really ask for a movie. It's just like us, like, hey, man, we don't want to be here. You don't want us here. We don't know what to do, so uh, you got to call on a medium, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have on this movie? Um, so I, I mostly have notes from during the movie while we were watching it. <laughs> um, because I have... There's Most importantly, there's three things you learn from this movie, which is never leave a young child unattended, because they might get pulled into a vortex. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do some research on the house you're about to move into. You move the headstones, but not the bodies! <laughs> and always trust the dog. Yeah. Because the dog can see shit. Man, I remember there was a show on the Animal Planet uh, years ago when I was a kid that I... That I mean, basically, it was... They were, their network execs were like, okay, so ghost shows are big, but we need to relate to animals. And what can we do? And it was just like any old like grab bag of haunting like stories that just had an animal also adjacent. Like it was just like yeah, our barn was like haunted by civil war ghosts, but we kept horses in the barn. It's yeah. like and the horses didn't like it. It's like yeah, the horses don't like wind. A lot of things. Right? But like this dog, like so, I mentioned the conjuring, and just to compare, there's a scene in the conjuring. The family also has a dog, uh, and their house is. Like, bad haunted. And they're moving in, and the dog is sitting outside, like... No, man, I'm not... No, I'm not going in there. Like, just staring at the house, like, this is... Death is in there. Like, I'm not gonna go in there. Um, this this one, the dog is just kind of, like, following around. I th- there was a moment in the scripts that I found at from the website uh, about the dog that <laughs> it was just, like, E-Buzz, e- they put his name in the script. E-Buzz prances into the room, looking up as if following on the heels of someone with a treat. So, like, the dog is just excited that there's more people in the house. Like, it's almost like, in the dog's eyes, like, you're having a party, and there's just people everywhere, so he keeps looking around, like, seeing who will pet it, and the people are like, the dog's kind of acting weird. And, I mean, it's not, like, looking in fear mm-hmm. at, like, corners being like, the devil lives in the corners. Like, it's like, cool, a person that'll pet me, maybe. <laughs> he's such a good boy it's, it's a, so it's a golden retriever like it's just like a, a beautiful dog and it's the first thing you see in the movie <laughs> like the TV goes off and the dog just kind of comes in like huh how about that like they're just immediately like we got a dog guys like don't worry <laughs> like well, they draw you in they're like I know you may be scared but like a dog <laughs> um man I, I think that the coolest thing, one of my favorite things about this movie, aside from just the this, the music, uh, the way the characters go, the pacing is awesome. It feels oh, yeah. it feels very real. Well, it doesn't take very long to get into the first haunting. No, yeah, like it's movie. it's very quick. Um, but even then, I, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Um, where you think the ending is is not the end. There is more movie after it. Oh yeah. And that is, oh, it's so good. Like, preemptively, if you can watch this movie before Monday, 
do it. Because when we do our next episode about um, cursed films, namely the focus on uh, Poltergeist and The Exorcist, a lot of it has to do with the latter half of this movie. Mm-hmm. During the, like It's like a 25-minute just intensity. Um, well, this movie's on Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's on Netflix. We should we should put that we should preface that so you can watch it anytime. I'm assuming through the month of October. I'm hoping. And it's great because it's a very tame movie. Uh, realistically, I mean, it's a very it's a movie movie. It's mm-hmm. not like a horror movie where like everything exists to scare you. Like, yeah, it's. All the scares progress the story along. Yes, I mean, and there's a there's long swaths where there's no scares. Yeah, I mean, there's a scene that's literally just uh, the the two parents just smoking weed in their bedroom, yeah. talking about like their kids, like because yeah. they're, they're establishing that it's like an everyday, they're just people. Yeah, who this is happening to. Um, I I mentioned the line already, but. Uh, it's one of those, like, the biggest quote of this movie, I mean, aside from a little they're girl here. saying they're here, uh, it's Craig T. Nelson screaming at his, at his, uh, <laughs> his land developer boss that they move the headstones, but not the corpses, in reference to, so they have this big, like, new neighborhood, it's very nice, in, like, a California Valley area, and then, like, right on the hill next to it is this giant cemetery, <laughs> and it leaves you to wonder, like, I wonder how big that used to be before mm-hmm. these houses were here. Well, especially since his land developer is talking about moving that cemetery yeah. to build more houses. And then he's like, why would you move it? That sounds, like, barbaric. And he's like, no, oh, we already did it. And like, oh, wait a minute! <laughs> oh, Corpses! Shit. Ghosts! <laughs> he, does a, he does a shag. He just does zoinks! <laughs> 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 he, uh, Craig T. Nelson... Biggest good dad energy, man. Big good dad energy. Just really cares. I mean, even when they're like, threaten your children, like, make them afraid, he's like, I've never hit my kids. I'm like, good dad energy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything else about Poltergeist? I mean, all I can say is that I would highly recommend it for any level of horror fan. Oh, yeah. It's a very good movie... Especially, I mean, we're not going to keep the theme long. Like, literally the next two minutes, we're going to talk about The Exorcist. But it's it keeping the theme with, like, this is a good movie to, like, start out with because it still feels like a regular movie with higher stakes. Otherwise, I, I heard somewhere that horror movies are just dramas with higher stakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, instead of, you know, like, take a movie, what, what won Best Picture last year? I don't remember. Like, a drama, I would assume. Last year was Parasite. No, 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 not this oh, the past year, the year prior. before. Because Parasite uh, was a horror movie, which is which I think it illustrates it because that movie was a drama, with the stakes being, your life could be supplanted by these other people, mm-hmm. and like it's a very frightening thing. So it's it's a normal sort of, uh, like a film, like a normal drama where there's like this is the inciting incident, this is the big if- event that we're going to really be caring about. But instead of I think it was Green Book, actually. it was Green Book. I was gonna say like instead of overcoming. Like a race relations, or you know, like it's more, it's less about relationships and more about the stakes. Yes. Like horror movies are a lot more, tend to be more about the stakes. So for Parasite, it's a lot more, you know, if we just give up, like our lives are over. 
Yeah. Like Poltergeist, it's like, your stakes are, I need to protect my family from these things I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. So it's a very, like, helpless, and it's very, it, it really does pull you in. Mm-hmm. Um, in your case, unlike The Exorcist. <laughs> so, as some people who know me might know, um, I'm not the biggest fan of The Exorcist. Um, but having just rewatched it last night, it I really enjoy how they go about this movie. Last night, Dan, no, we've been preparing for weeks for this. Oh man, <laughs> we didn't. Remember when I said last episode we wouldn't wait till the last second to do anything? <laughs> we did. <laughs> I mean, we it wasn't we this planned morning. it. It wasn't this morning. Yeah, we actually watched the movies this time. We watched them. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so The Exorcist is a ubiquitous like, name, and it's one of the most famous horror movies of all time, um, and my gush about it is going to prove it to you with facts <laughs> and science. Um, it came out in 1973, it was directed by William Friedkin, and based on the book by William Peter Blatty, which I have read, oh. and won't talk about, because remember, we're being positive on this show. Okay. Um, so it follows the circle of mother Chris McNeil following the possession of her 12-year-old daughter, Reagan. As she desperately tries to search for anything to help her daughter, she places her trust in Father Damien Karras and a notable exorcist, Father Lancaster Marin, to cleanse Reagan of the demonic spirit. So, up top, facts. Okay, I did research. Um, after several reissues, so it came out originally in 1973... Many countries didn't want to release it. Several American theaters were like, we'll release it if you give it an X rating. And they're like, even today, like no one makes X-rated movies anymore because they don't make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta have it the actual release. So they re-released it in 2000. <clears throat> so collectively, the film grossed $232.6 million in the United States and Canada, which doesn't seem like a whole lot. That seems pretty standard nowadays. Mm-hmm. Which, adjusted for inflation, makes it the ninth highest grossing film of all time in the United States and Canada, and the top grossing R-rated film of all time as of 2011, <laughs> because <laughs> Deadpool came out. Um, so, it kicked butt. Like, it kicked butt at the box office. Oh, yeah. Which, like, horror movies sometimes do. Like, It, I like, it, it did really does well really well. Box office. But, like, I imagine, so, like, It is, a, first of all, it's a remake, mm-hmm. and it's of a very popular book. I mean, yes. The Exorcist was a book, but this was back in the day, like, even if it was a popular book, it wasn't, like, you know, ravenous, like, fans. So this, this wasn't was... Gone with the Wind. No, like, and, and even, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, Lord of the Rings came out in the early 2000s, so all the fans, like, that were fans of the book, like, were in college or were super old. So the fans of The Exorcist tended to be people that were older already that probably didn't like its implications of, like, Satanism and all these like yeah. demonology stuff, so like it wasn't gonna get a wider release normally, or as much attention. So you think of a movie like It, where it's got a famous author attached to it, it's one of the most famous of his books, famous miniseries, and then it's being remade. Yeah, that's gonna give it. This had nothing. This had a book and the legend, which we'll get to the legends next episode. Yes, because oh man, there's so much about this movie. We're going to be watching a whole documentary for yeah. the next episode. On, on Shudder. On Shudder. Um, so, if anyone's got Shudder, this show, you already, like, are leaves ahead of us. Like, Shudder <laughs> is, like, 
the horror Netflix, but it's yes. it's like not just not just anything is on there. Like they are very much like curators of various types of horror. They have a lot of great documentaries. I really want to watch um, Horror Noir. Yeah. Also, once we get this free trial, because I'm not gonna buy it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, success of The Exorcist. Like The Exorcist, like uh, Poltergeist had a lot of Academy Award nominations. But instead of sound sound effect mixing and score, it had Academy Award nominations for Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, and one for Sound Mixing and Adapted Screenplay. It was the movie. Like, it was like the dirty secret movie that, like, when they were like, The Exorcist is up and everyone kind of went, oh, The Exorcist, that's a devil. Like, I can just imagine the whole, like, <laughs> not Golden Globes have the tables, but, like, the row of people that are in the exercise, like, there's, like, a good five rows, like, between them and anyone else. Like, they're just, like, <laughs> not those kids. That's weird. Like, those are the weird kids. So, this movie, I just think that, like, it, it shouldn't have existed. Like, for the time. Oh, yeah. Like, so this is the 70s. This is the early 70s. So, I mean, we're coming off of like, the golden age of horror originally, we're talking, like, Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock type stuff, we're talking Hammer Studios, um, so those were what horror films were. They were either very artsy and very, like, the suspense came from, like, the thrill, like, the writing and the, in the you know, the camera angle, the very art house, very good, like, yes. like we'll get to Psycho and, and whatnot eventually. Mm-hmm. This was not that. This was essentially taking... A, like almost like taking a regular movie of the seventies about like a woman who's an actress who moves to DC with her daughter to finish making her movie and you know there's a relationship with her with her husband who's weird and you know and then like hijacking that movie and being like okay what if we like possessed the daughter and yeah. like how would a, how would like a normal late sixties early seventies movie deal with that and the answer is. Not very well. Like, they yeah. just are... Like, they are powerless. Like, this movie feels so wrong. Like, for its time period. Like, I was looking originally... The studio, Warner Brothers, wanted A-list actors to be in the movie. Okay. Like, Marlon Brando, Jack Nicholson, Audrey Hepburn, Jane Fonda. Oh. And it's great because it feels like the movie is like a really... Like I said, like the, a departure from like what used to be horror... And then, like, what, like, the 80s and the 90s and now are. Yeah. Where it's, like, we're not out to make a good, quote-unquote, movie, like, by Hollywood standards. We are to scare the hell out of people. And the best way at the time to do that was not shock everyone with just, like, a Friday the 13th thing. Mm -hmm. But to be, like, this is made just like every other movie that you like, but it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And the characters are going through stakes that have never been touched before. Yeah. I mean, you got, like, Rosemary's Baby. It's, like, one of the first ones like that. And it's made very much the same way. This ups the ante. Oh, like, yeah. William Friedkin said that he wanted it to have more blood and more gore than any other movie that had ever been made before. Now, looking at that <laughs> from today's standards, it's not very bloody or gory, especially compared to the slashers of the 80s, well, yeah, but for the early 70s, it was a huge culture shock. I mean, if you're going to make a movie, this is 1973, and you have to write off on your budget gallons of pea soup, 
Because you're like, and the studio's like, well, why? It's like, well, the little girl is going to throw it up all over a priest's face. America in the 70s was not ready for that. <laughs> like, no, we don't want that. And he's like, they, they really wanted to push for an X rating. So they're like, okay, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but like, it's got to be rated X. And he's like, so that's the thing. Um, I'm going to do all of this stuff, and it's going to be rated R. Because he's like, this is a very important movie that needs to happen. I want more movies to be able to do this and still be taken seriously. Yes. And boy, did he do that. Boy, did he accomplish it. So, the cast of this movie is mostly, I mean, by today's standards, not a lot of people know who these people are. Um, so, Ellen Burstyn is Chris McNeil. Max von Sydow is uh, Father Lancaster Marin. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> bless his soul, he passed away earlier yes, this he year. he died earlier this year. Um, he was also in one of my favorite franchises, which is the Ghostbusters in the 80s. He was in Ghostbusters 2 as the painting Vigo. <laughs> He's also the Three-Eyed Raven in Game of Thrones. Yes. Which was interesting, because if you watch the movie, you would think that he's got to be in his late 70s. He was 44. They just put a bunch of makeup on him to make him look super old. And he looks how he looks in the movie. And so, that's like 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. He looks that way now. Like, I mean, until he died, until he passed away. He looked like how he did in The Exorcist, like, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. Like, the amount of, of makeup, I mean, that's why it was up for so many Oscars. Like, the people that made this movie went all out to make oh, it yeah. the best thing that they possibly could. Um, uh, she, Ellen Burstyn, to go back for Chris McNeil, uh, more for Arnick of the Woods, uh, she was in the Spitfire Grill movie back in, the, mm -hmm. in 1996. Uh... So, then you got Jason Miller as Father Karras, who's a Sylvester Stallone lookalike to me. Oh, yeah. Um, before Rocky had ever come out, so he was a nobody. So I can only imagine that Sylvester Stallone, when he was like, I want to make a movie about an Italian boxer, and I'm going to star in it, they're going to be like, oh, you mean like the character from The Exorcist? <laughs> um, and then you got 14-year-old Linda Blair as Reagan, uh, playing the, the girl that's possessed. And, man, Linda Blair... On, it's on another level. When you were 14, you were doing theater when you were 14, right? I was doing theater when I was What 14. were you doing when you were 14? Um, when I was 14, it was my freshman year of high school, so I was doing shows like Alice in Wonderland and Annie. Um, <laughs> she's here doing yeah. The Exorcist. Linda Blair was nominated for an Academy Award and a, won a Golden Globe and a People's Choice Award when she was 14. <laughs> um, so... For those of you that don't know, I mean, you obviously must have seen the the possessed girl makeup, like with the crazy eyes and the weird scratches on her face. That's not a fourteen year old girl, um, and that voice is that's coming out of her is a is a mixture of Linda Blair's voice, so she said all those horrible things, and um, well known voice like radio actress at the time, uh, Mercedes McCambridge. Uh, who I think we'll also touch in when we talk about the cursed film because what she had to do for that voice she had ruined her voice. Like, oh yeah. She I heard once that she ate like a bunch of raw eggs mm. and like just drank like silage to just ruin her throat so Ooh. she could make those horrible noises. Um, I saw a fun story about Linda Blair. Uh, so originally, so you're thinking child actors normally it's like a. Uh, it's, a, it's a business. Like, child acting is, like, a big, like, cutthroat thing. Oh, yeah. So, apparently, 
Um, Linda Blair wasn't even, like, approached for the part. Like, her agent didn't reach out to her. Like, her mother and her, like, went to the studio and were like, I think I could do it. Like, you know, like, can I audition? And William Friedkin met with them and was like, oh, well, you know, the movie's about a, a little girl who gets possessed by the devil and does horrible things. And they're like, well, what kind of stuff? And he said, well, he, she kills a guy, uh, she slaps her mother, and she masturbates with a crucifix. And I, I, I just have this quote, Friedkin then last asked Linda if she knew what masturbation meant. It's like jerking off, isn't it? And then she giggled a little bit. <laughs> Have you ever done that? He asked. Oh, sure, God. haven't you? <laughs> like, like this girl, this fourteen-year-old girl, like was like, yeah, man, like I'll do this. I know what I'm signing up for. Like, yeah. I, like I know that it's not gonna be like this. Like, it can't, like I know that it's gonna be horrible. And she took it like a champ. Like, again, we'll, I keep citing the cursed film thing, but the way, the things they put her through to film this movie, like, they stuck her in a refrigerator, like, she's wearing a nightgown most of the movie, and her room, the set was built inside of, an, of a refrigerator so that you, so they could be see... Cold. Well, and they could see the breath. breath. Um, she is in a bunch of makeup, mm -hmm. sweaty, uh, tired, oh, yeah. shooting for long hours of the day, um, wouldn't get breaks, with everybody else, because they didn't want her to appear rested, which is horrible. Which is just, oh, man. Um, so, speaking of the set, uh, it was shot primarily in Manhattan, in studios in Manhattan, uh, as well as on scene in Georgetown, uh, right across the river from Washington, D.C., where the film is actually set. Um, those famous stairs mm -hmm. uh, are in Georgetown, two houses down from the exterior that they use. Okay. Um, and what I thought was fun is when they had stuntmen falling down the stairs for the different scenes, uh, the students of Georgetown would charge people $5 to watch it from the roof, <laughs> which is, like, so cool. Um, and so, so college to do. Like, I mean, I would do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Business. Business. <laughs> Um, it also was shot in the New York University Medical Center um, for the various uh, hospital scenes. Um, so obviously, when your child's possessed in the real world, quote unquote, in the 70s, I mean, it's a psychological problem. You take them to the doctor. Uh, the doctors are like, you know, it's some kind of neural thing. We'll send them to get like a CT scan. We'll, send, we'll get all these weird brain scans of them. So, I mean, you could just imagine as, like, a parent, you're like, I just want to fix them. And mm -hmm. this looks like it's so painful for them. So a lot of these scenes they shot on, in an actual hospital. And it was, the, the actors were not actors. They were actual medical students and staff, including Paul Bateman, who we'll talk about in the next episode, who was a murderer. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I mean... They didn't know at the time. They didn't know, and granted, he hadn't killed anyone then, but, but he, he, he's, he's a murderer. He's a murderer. It's just a little weird to see it. Um, there's also a, uh, the angiography, which is the scene where they, um, I believe it's for a spinal tap, or they're, they're putting radioactive isotopes in the bloodstream so that they can get shots of the brain. And they have to, it's kind of very gross, they have to put a needle in this girl's, like, the front of her neck. To put a, a feeding thing, or I don't even know, some medical thing. Some medical stuff, blood. we don't know. It's very gross, and you think, man, it looks really real. It's because it was. They actually did that. Yeah. And, like, a lot of people came at them, like, you know, 
You didn't have to do that. You didn't actually have to, like, open up this girl's, like, like, you didn't have to, like, bleed her all over, you know. Mm. Uh, so, that being said, <laughs> what's something positive about the movie, Dan? So, I really appreciate how this movie progresses the possession that calls for the exorcist. Yes. Because it does not start off with, like, her yelling at a priest. It, that comes way later. It starts with something very simple, like her just walking down in the middle of a party yeah. and ending up peeing on the floor. And it, it's cool because, again, the author, at least when I read the book, did his homework about what demonic possession historically is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it normally starts out... I mean, they kind of the classic, like, oh, Ouija boards, like, let in evil spirits. Um, and it's cool because it's kind of just a throwaway scene where, you know, Chris comes in and she's like, where'd you get this, Rick? And she's like, oh, I found it. And I'm just playing with it. I'm talking to this guy, Captain Howdy. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, how about that? Uh, Captain Howdy was a demon named Pazuzu who's been Pazuzu. around since ancient Babylonia. <laughs> um, so, but it, then it, it, it progresses from noise in the attic, electrical disturbance, like, all the signs of a haunting is because now that they've let this spirit in mm-hmm. and now it's kind of adjusting and now it's setting its sights on this girl. Yeah. And then she, her bed starts shaking. She starts well, all of these tired. effects were done practically because it was the early 70s. They couldn't use CGI. They just they shook the now. bed. Like, they just had people shaking this bed. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Because it's these grown, like, men, like, these grips, like, these cameras, the big union guys. And it's this little girl on a bed who's just like, like, are you ready? And she's like, yeah, sure. And <laughs> Like, oh, God, this is terrifying. <laughs> that fear was probably real. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, how she kind of deteriorates to yelling at a priest. Um, her mom also is deteriorating. Yeah. I mean, she's this very strong woman, especially to raise her daughter on her own. Um, and just as Reagan gets worse and doctors keep saying, like, We'll do more tests, like, we'll send her to this person, we'll send her to that person, like, she's just, like, she wears more and more scarves, she wears sunglasses, she looks sicker, she looks more pale, she's not going to work, um, and it culminates in my favorite scene, where it's just her sitting in a room full of, like, board-certified doctors, like, there's, like, 11 of them in there, and they're all just kind of like, you ever think about calling a priest? And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, all of you people, and you can't even, like, figure out what's wrong with my daughter. And they're like, there's a thing called exorcism? Maybe that'll work. (laughs) Like, really? That's it? So, and then, even then, it's not like, I'll do anything. It's just kind of like, okay, um, she's, something is wrong with her. Mm -hmm. And we, maybe I need to call a priest. Which is where she comes into contact with Father Karras, uh, and, and the rest of the Jesuit order. Which I thought was cool is that they used real priests mm-hmm. in this movie to, to shoot um, the real Jesuit priests who they had like as consultants. Like they had like priests all over the place in oh, this yeah. movie, which is kind of creepy. Like you're making this movie about demons and like priests around, you're like, oh man, like that's gonna feed into legends of oh, like, yeah. oh man, they have people like blessing the set. It's like, no, you know, they're just, just they're just there because they're gonna like, yeah, this is how priests would dress, this is how they would talk, this is how like their living quarters look like and I had a bit uh, about Jason Miller the guy that they had playing Father Karras as they said like he read the book originally when they approached him with the part and he's reading it and he's like this guy is me like he grew up kind of like I did where he went to a Catholic school 
Um, and then he went on to study to be a Jesuit priest, like just like Father Harris. And he kind of also had a crisis of faith, like the mm-hmm. character did. Um, and it kind of led to some problems with his family, you know, because they're like, well, like, why are you leaving the church? So, and this is a almost one to one Father Harris in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like it was. It must have been so cool for like all these priests, especially to like watch this movie. And I think it's probably because. Like, they helped make it this way. Like, how realistic. Oh, yeah. Which is probably why it had the effect that it had. Um, even if you're on set and you're like, I know that she's just throwing up pea soup, but, like, this feels real. Yeah. Like, this is the real right of an exorcism that we are reading in the presence of this, you know, like, it, it's psychologically like, ooh, this is kind of spooky. I don't know about this. Um, well, and then going off of that, um, another one of my favorite things about this movie has got to be the score. <sighs> the score the to score, this movie. Which, now that, like, we know it quite well. Like, we know the song, oh, which yeah. we'll play in a second. Um, I wish that it was in the movie more. Just because it's do. so creepy. And it's very, like, it sets a mood. Oh, yeah. Because it, you don't know, like, where it comes, like, why it's there. Like, it's just, it's a very strange, like, it doesn't have... It's just wrong, okay? It's weird. It makes you feel weird, and that's yeah. what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it's very off-putting. Um, so they got in Mike. The best yes, they got Mike Oldfield, who was an English prog rock musician, to do it. And uh, so let's just play a bit of it. And you know what? He said that he didn't like the way it turned out. Really? Yep. So, I don't know who's wrong here. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's... I mean, now it's... It's called... The, the song is called Tubular Bells, but now it's just referred to as the song from The Exorcist. Um, because, man, they, they... Again, they just pulled out all the stops to make this movie... Oh, yeah. Worth it. And speaking of worth it, I have a bunch of... I thought we could play this fun Guess the Critic game. Ooh. So, I have several... Um, these are from newspapers, various newspapers. Okay. And I want you to figure out which one of these are from people that they just asked on the street. Okay. And people that they just, like, actual newspapers that, like, talked about. Actual, like, reviewers? So, there's positive and then there's negative ones. Okay. So, you've got, I guess up top, I only have, uh, Unfortunately, I only have a couple of positive ones because Roger Eberts is kind of the best. Okay. And even he says that some of the special effects were a little too much. It's like, no one back in the day had, like, a really positive word to really say about it. Like, a lot of these ones are coming from, like, people now. Um, so they got the scariest film I've seen in years. The only scary film I've seen in years. If you want to be shaken, and I found out while the picture was going, that's what I wanted, then The Exorcist will scare the hell out. I've definitely heard that before. That's gotta be a paper. It was, but the guy that went to go see it was told to get rid of that review. <laughs> it was, they're like, you just said it was too scary and you liked that. Like, and like yeah, it's, it's cool to be scared. Um, more positive ones. An expert telling of a supernatural horror story. The climactic sequence assault the senses and the intellect with pure cinematic terror. Ooh. I'm gonna go with 
a person on the street for yeah, that Yeah, because that was actually a Metacritic review. So really? someone just saw it and went, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, an amazing film. One destined to be, at the very least, a classic. That's a person on the street. Then they go on to say that his film will be profoundly disturbing to all audiences, especially the more sensitive and those who tend to quote-unquote live the movies they see. Oh. So again, like, all the positive ones are like, that'll fuck you up, buddy. Like, it'll be like, <laughs> oh man, that's, a, that's like a lot. Um, yeah, so Roger Ebert says, so he gave the film four stars. Okay. He praised the actors, especially uh, the mother, and the convincing special effects. But at the end, he wrote, I'm not sure exactly what reasons people will have for seeing this movie. <laughs> Surely enjoyment won't be one. Ooh. Because what we get here aren't the delicious chills of a Vincent Price thriller, but raw and painful experience. Are people so numb they need movies of this intensity to, in order to feel anything at all? So, Roger Ebert, historically, has not been nice to horror movies. No. With the exception being Halloween. That's true. When we cover Halloween, like, his review of Halloween, he loved it. And this is after hating every other slasher movie that came after it. Mm -hmm. So, to say this movie, like, it's kind of, again, like, this kind of goes to my point of, like, how it... it completely disrupted horror and cinema of the time and, like, led it to now, is they're like, you needed, like, people are too desensitized that they would need this to feel scared. And I feel like a lot of the people that were scared of this movie weren't desensitized. They were terrified of this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, he also says, the fact that it received an R rating and not X is stupefying. <laughs> um... Yeah, he praises the special effects, the eerie atmosphere, and calls it one of the scariest films of all time. Now, here's people that were less than articulate saying how bad it was. Oh no. A chunk of elegant occultist claptrap. Oh. A practically impossible film to sit through. It establishes a new low for grotesque special effects. They would hate now, some of the I'm thinking that movies. he didn't like it because it was so realistic. So, in a way, that's a compliment. <laughs> uh, Friedkin's biggest weakness is his inability to provide enough visual information about his characters. Whole passages of the movie's exposition were one long buzz of small talk and name droppings. That's a little fair. <laughs> it is kind of slow at times, but I think it does it in effect to try to build the, the vibe. Yes. It makes it scary before it gut punches you with, like, a spider crawl down the stairs or something like that. Um, there's some really iconic imagery in this oh, movie. Oh, and all of it is because of the special effects. Oh, I yeah. mean, the, the head-turning scene, I found out the sound that they made for that was the sound mixer twisting his leather wallet. Like, ugh. <laughs> uh, the Exorcist succeeds on one level as an effectively excruciating entertainment. He got points for alliteration. <laughs> but on another, deeper level, it is a thoroughly evil film. Which, if I made a movie, I'd want it to be called that. <laughs> and then this is my favorite one. Oh, no. Nothing more than a religious porn film. <laughs> oh. Because, like, I think that it's probably a little bit more careful in the way that it deals with the occult and with demons and whatnot in this movie. 
As opposed to like The Conjuring 2, which I've heard called a Christian superhero movie. That's a lot more accurate than a religious porn film. Yeah. Because there are some, like, most exorcism movies now are that. They're just, like, garbage. Because they're all trying to be this, but it's like, you missed the biggest point about what made this movie great is it didn't just happen. Yeah. It was like, man, this is real. Like, this is some real stuff that we're getting real people involved with. And, like, the priests that we use aren't, like, it's not like the right where it's just, like, a cool, like, motorcycle riding priest who's like, yeah, I guess I'll do an exorcism. Like, no, it's like, these priests are like, well, I mean, we, get approval. there's a point where they're like, well, the first thing, he's like, the mother's like, hey, would you be fine doing an exorcism? And he's like, well, the first thing I tell you is to get in the time machine and go back to the Middle Ages, because we don't do that anymore. Um, no one really talks about it. No one really does it. Um, no one really knows. Like, you know about, more about exorcisms than most priests probably do. Mm-hmm. Now, like, the Vatican's like, let's open up, like, new demonology class. Like, dude, like, back in the day, they were like, yeah, 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 like, we're more focused on, like, the logistical, like, let's talk about, like, science a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the priests were like, yeah, let's get approval, I don't know about this, and then they go into the room, and she's, like, vomiting all over them. <laughs> like, okay. We're gonna come out with, we'll be it's, it's that scene from Casper, where they, the Ghostbusters come in, like, <laughs> we're gonna call someone else. Yeah. yeah. Priest, for one. <laughs> yeah, just all these doctors, like, you're, they're all calling a priest? <laughs> I mean, I went to years of school, but, like, that's messed up, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in recent months, there's been talks of a potential remake of The Exorcist with very little information so about it. all that has happened, news-wise, is they've announced that this certain studio, which name I can't remember, is thinking about doing it. And it looked at this. This I looked at the the studio's uh, track record of horror movies, and they have made none. So, like, even if like Blumhouse was like, "Let's make an Exorcist remake," I'd be like, "Don't, please." Like, don't. <laughs> like now, if like Mike Flanagan was like, "Yo," I'm gonna, I'd be like, "Okay." So like, you have a track record of like really good stylistic horror movies, and that's what this needs if you're gonna do it at all. Um, so, all that's really been said is that they want to make. And immediately everyone freaked out and was like, don't. And this is one rare occasion that I agree. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, it's, there's a bunch of demon movies out. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all essentially the same. They're all trying to be a remake of and the Exorcist like, already. And that's fine. Like, if you want to make an Exorcist movie and have it be like, well, what if it was like a girl born into a cult was possessed? Like, well, we have that. Like, The Exorcist does not have a lock on making demon movies. Like, whenever I see a possession movie, I don't be like, well, it's trying to be the Exodus. I'd be like, well, it's trying to be a possession movie. Because there's mm-hmm. plenty of good ones out there. Oh, yeah. I mentioned the possession last episode. I love that movie. The Exorcist is the Exorcist. Like, it's about Reagan, and it's about the it's about Father Karras. It's about all these characters who come together to save this girl. And... I feel like no movie really nowadays that has demons in it gives a crap about characters. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, we'd rather have de- Like, The Nun is a perfect example. They're like, care about these characters. I'm like, they're all terrible. I just want to see this cool, like, metal-ass nun. Yeah. Like, I don't care about any of this or that. Like, So, like, if you actually are trying to make people care about characters in your demon movie and you're failing at it, don't remake the movie that made that a thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I kind of hope it's good. 
I mean, I, I love, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I don't want to hate on remakes because I'm not that kind of person. I love remakes mm-hmm. um, because I, in the end, I really just am looking for an entertaining movie. Yes. And I'm just, I, my, my, my goal is more like scared until proven wrong. But I'm like, oh, I hope it's good. And then like normally it's good. And I'm like, ah, all right, all right. Instead of people that are like, man, this isn't The Exorcist. Like, I'm like, dude, I know. I just want it to be a good movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that movie. <laughs> we'll see if that movie ends up We'll happening. see if it, yeah, if it even happens at all. Because if this studio wants it that bad and people see money in it, other studios would be like, no, I'm going to do it. Screw mm-hmm. you. And then it might never be done. Kind of like the Friday the 13th remake because it's all a big legal battle. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're just, they, they're like, I just want to make another movie with a guy with a hockey mask killing people. And they're like, what if they make another one? It'll be the 13th. And they've been wanting to do that for years. Like, guys, come on, you know what it would mean. And then I think people are like, well, it would make a lot of money, but I want to make that money. I don't mm-hmm. want you to. It's like, do you even think about the fans, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That covers it. Yeah. I think that covers it quite I think a bit. That covers it for today. Um, we will be. So now that we've kind of got our proverbial S words together. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's edit that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so now that we've got kind of a better idea of what we're going to do going forward, episode-wise, um, types of episodes that we're going to be doing uh, include, like, episodes like these, like Square Horror proper. It'll be usually two movies following, like, a few weeks or a monthly, like, theme. So far, September is just kind of, like, we're getting the lead out, getting, like, bigger ones out, feeling it out. Okay. Come October, we'll do... Halloween type movies like we'll cover Rob Zombie we'll cover we'll do our first franchise breakdown mm-hmm. on Halloween um, we'll have bonus episodes like this cursed film one we're gonna be doing for Monday uh, it'll cover um, any other mediums we, we watch like any documentaries any further reading that we've done mm-hmm. about movies or whatnot as well as TV we're gonna talk about Haunting of Hill House and eventually Haunting of Bly Manor, which will be on Netflix in October. Um, we'll also, it'll be kind of set aside for when we go see new horror movies in theaters. Whenever that may be. Yeah, because originally the plan was we were going to cover Candyman on a bonus episode. And that just and got then, And then watch the new Candyman in the next one. So we would, we would talk about the first one and then the remake and then like talk about what was great about both of them. And then Candyman just got delayed. Like yesterday. Like, yeah. And I'm. So, that's what will happen. I mean, any horror that do end up coming out, we'll do bonus episodes to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, don't take them as, like, reviews. We're going to talk about what's good. If they're really bad, we just won't cover them. Again, as we've said. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, our franchise breakdowns. We're going to do Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare, so all the big ones. All the big ones. Uh, I also want to talk about our guest episodes. So, we also would love to start doing guest episodes, um, especially for people that are our friends who maybe aren't super into horror movies, but like a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know, for instance, our friend Hannah is really into the Child's Play remake, and I know she's not a huge horror fan, but, like, she'll like that. So, it'll be a good, like, perspective of, like, what we're trying to do. It'll be like, mm-hmm. normally I don't like horror movies, but, like, this is what was good about this one. And yeah. it's like, well, if it's good about this one, maybe other ones are kind of like that for you know, everyone else who, who isn't on. And we'll also kind of do episodes that are like some of our friends' favorite ones. Like, okay. I know Kelly, our friend Kelly, would love to talk about Houses October Built. 
I mean, I love Dark Glass. I love that movie. But, I mean, he... And that's a movie that I think we're going to have him on specifically because it scared the hell out of him. <laughs> he literally jumped into I mean, our it couch. it scared me, but, like, he had, like, a like, literally a Scooby-Doo reaction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... So yeah, we'll in the guest episodes we'll cover like one to two movies with someone, uh, and I mean if you, I, I don't want to have like a deluge of people being like I want to be on or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like if there's a movie that we probably aren't going to cover anytime soon that isn't part of like a franchise, um, we can talk to you about having you on about it. I mean, yeah, that'd be kind of awesome. I mean. I want to avoid it being like a gush fest about like, yeah. oh man, I love Asa Tilbrook, don't you? It's like, yes, it's the best. Like, no, we're going to talk about like why it's good. Yeah. Because like, if you love it as much as, like if we love it as much as you do, or you want other people to love it as much as you do, like figure out how to sell it. Like, oh, you know, yeah. like what is great about it? And then we will give you the opportunity to talk about it. Because like, we have a lot of movies that we have gotten our friends into. Mm-hmm. Based on our recommendations, of like, no, no, it's good. Like, it's got this stuff, and and they've gone on to love it. So, like, this is, like, we'll have guests, like, to prove our formula works. Yeah. Like, to prove, like, the thesis of this show works, <laughs> for one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, we're doing our cursed film one on yes. Sunday. Like, Monday. We're recording it on Sunday, we're releasing it on Monday. We're dropping it on Monday for right. our listeners. It's more for me. When am I going to have to show up to do it? When do I have to watch it? We're going to record it on Sunday cool. for Monday. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so look for that on Monday. Um, follow our new Instagram page. Yeah. At uh, the underscore square horror. Um, so far, I've only put up the first episode. Like, I'm gonna, we're, we'll put up everything about like every episode that drops. Um, now that... Our Spooktober slash Spooktember is pretty much canceled because we can't have everybody over. Um, what we're going to do is make up an actual schedule, and every week that we do an episode, we'll release like our picks for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll try to have them be a lot of streaming movies so people can kind of watch along with us. Um, we'll also lend out some movies. I mean, yes. If you're in the Macomb area... Uh, we can, if you come by and want to borrow anything, just, you know, come over, we'll lend it to you, like, just give it back to us later in the week for other people. We'll be like a library. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, I'll put that on our story, you know, every day, like, what movie's gonna be on today, uh, so, and, yeah, so go follow it for one. Yeah. Um, grow our listener base, and this is the first time I've, I've actually thought about it, tell people. If you think that they like this show, let them know, because uh, we actually know a lot of people are listening so far. So, I mean, please, I mean, we would love more listeners, and again, any sort of feedback that you guys have, send it to us. We'd love to get it. Tell us. I mean, even if it's just positive, we need to have our egos stroked a little bit. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we are really glad that we got to do this, and someone listened. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, today is Saturday, which means that it's officially the beginning of September. It is. So, we should really put together that, uh, schedule. We really should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Alright, that'll do it for Guys. Square Horror this week. The power of Christ compels you! Stay spooky, The power of Christ compels you!